COVID-19 has presented all of us with new challenges, including those involving our mental health. Dr. Craig Springer is a co-owner of the Good Life Center for Mental Health on North Avenue in Cranford. Among his many credentials are specialized training in mindfulness and trauma-informed treatments. We're going to chat a bit today about some of the ways we can cope and adjust to the changes we're experiencing and the fears we have. Dr. Springer, welcome to Cranford Radio. Thank you. I appreciate being on the show. Well, good to have you here. And uh, usually uh, we do these interviews in person, but for obvious reasons, we are uh, doing this via Zoom today. So uh, we, we are experimenting a bit. It's much better when you can sit across the table from the person you're talking to, but uh, we all have to cope a little bit. And this is uh, just one small way we're coping here. I'd like to start off by having you tell me a bit about some of what you're hearing in your practice concerning COVID-19, some of the concerns that people are bringing to you. Sure. As a clinical psychologist, I work with a host of difficulties, mental health difficulties that people experience, whether it be depression, anxiety, difficulties with their relationships, habits that they might want to change, like overeating and things like that. What I've seen is an exacerbation in a lot of these symptoms, and they manifest in a variety of different ways. They're not directly impacted by COVID itself, but more of the fallout from the different things that we've had to do as a result of the COVID epidemic. For instance, you know, being at home more. Um, so if individuals that are living together uh, are having conflict, those conflicts have escalated quite a bit, which is a real challenge for people. The other thing is, Plenty of parents uh, that I talk to often say that they're having a really difficult time balancing the education and training of their kids with their work demands. You know, so that's, that's a real challenge because, you know, people had been used to having childcare either in their homes or sending their child to daycare or for older kids, they would be at school, even college students are back at home. And the education seems like it's really impacted by COVID because teachers are more often sending work that the parents either have to do with their kids or that the kids have to read and try to figure out. Um, and that's creating a lot more demands, both on the child as well as on the parent. In addition to kind of social demands that adolescents and young kids make, where they want to be with their parents all the time, they want their attention and, and all of that. So it's a real challenge, you know, getting work done in a house where you're also taking care of your kids full time. And you really don't get a break. I mean, and you don't get to socialize with other people outside of your home much. Those are some big ones. You know, I, I think that, you know, what, we'll, what we also see is the anxiety and depression is also considerably high. You know, what's going to happen? Is this When is this going to end? Is there going to be significant financial impacts to my family? Are we going to be able to for our home? Are we going to be able to pay for our car? All of these different things are significant. And, you know, I'm seeing less people worried about getting COVID and more about the ramifications of what this might mean for them, for their family, and for society at large. Now, I, I want to say that that's the exception to that are the people that are directly affected by COVID. So if they've gotten the illness or their family or friends have gotten the illness. And, and just to disclose a little bit about me, I recently lost my cousin to COVID over the past week. The funeral was actually on Sunday and he battled COVID for a month and then ended up being, being put on the ventilator and within 24 hours he died. So it's personal for me in terms of, you know, making sure that 
people are aware of the seriousness of this illness, but also recognizing that this has a significant impact. And, you know, I volunteered also to help out with the first responders in both New York and New Jersey. At this point, I haven't been called. And I think that largely it's because they're still on the front line. You know, it, they can't really deal with trauma and process anything right now while they're still dealing with it because that will open up wounds and, and make it very difficult to do the work. So what I'm looking toward in terms of the future is that a lot of these first responders are going to need assistance as well. And I would imagine there's going to be a flood of them once the pandemic calms down and they, they don't have to be on the front line so much or anymore. Well, certainly first, my condolences on the, the passing of your cousin. So sorry to hear about that. It leads into one of the things I wanted to ask about. I can't think of anything else in my lifetime and probably in most people's lifetimes that's been such a universal experience. This is something, whatever country you're in, whatever socioeconomic level you're at, wherever you may be, you're dealing with this at some level. But in the past, if you go through something traumatic in your life, usually there are those that you can turn to who have been relatively unaffected by what's going on. You know, that includes the helpers we might normally go to, such as clergy or therapists like yourself. Well, again, that's obviously not uh, true now. We literally are all in this together. How does that change things for you as well as for your patients? I think you're 100% correct. You know, we're all in this together. And, and that's something that I really emphasize to people that I meet is that, you know, we're all kind of figuring this all out, navigating this together. And it's not always going to be perfect. You know, one of the things that I work with a lot of people on is their perfectionism and their desire to always be their best. And, and their best might be changing right now a little bit, you know, in terms of what we can actually do given the new circumstances that we're dealing with. Mental health workers are not immune to this. They're all affecting it too. And as I mentioned, my personal experience of, of a family member being directly impacted by the illness. It's interesting that you bring this up because there's been some research that has been done on COVID. And a recent study in mid-April, mid to end of April, um, actually reported that 33% of Americans reported worse than mental or emotional well-being as a result of COVID. So we're talking about a significant one-third of the population are saying that they've been affected psychologically by this. And 16% reported worsened physical health as a result of COVID. So, I mean, we're talking about, you know, significant, significant impacts across this country, but then across the world, we see it everywhere. And I also read that no other illness or disease has been worked on this hard by so many researchers to find tests and to figure out if we can develop some type of treatment. Um, so I think that there's going to be a rapid progression in that um, in a way that we've never seen before as well. So I think that people could take some comfort in the fact that it's a real issue for a lot of people and that it is on the forefront of people's minds. With that said, you know, I think it does make it a little challenging for people to get the kind of support that they normally would. Traditionally, you could go to someone else and they would be able to kind of try to relate. And now it's, you know, they're kind of just discussing and dealing with their own issues, right? With that said, that they might be able to empathize a little bit more because they are going through that experience. So I think it has benefits, um, but I think it also has some limitations as a result. 
that someone else hasn't gone through this yet and they don't know what the end result will be. And we're all kind of looking at that together. The fact that we don't have a clear timeline when this will be over is really, really hard for people. And I think that's tremendous. And the fact that this is novel, no one knows. You know, no one knows if the antibodies really do keep you safe and for how long. These things are very difficult. You know, when, when there's uncertainty, there's anxiety. Um, I, I don't think there's much way about that. You know, what I often do is talk to people about the importance of gratitude and, you know, staying with what you can control rather than moving to what you wish was different or what might happen. Because we, we often tell, you know, our mind plays tricks on us and says, oh, we're, this, this really bad thing is going to happen in the future when we have no idea whether that's going to happen or not. I really strongly encourage people to kind of stay where you are in terms of this moment. What can you do? What are you doing well to cope um, with your life? And if you're at home and you have a, a loving family, build that relationship even stronger. Appreciate the fact that you don't have to commute to work. Um, and that's extra time that you get to spend with the people that you love. Utilize technology as we're leveraging in this interview to talk to friends. I've had dinner with a friend the other day and we were talking over dinner, his family and my family. And initially it felt really strange to have a screen between us because we would be eating together, probably be eating the same food. <laughs> Granted, we were eating different types of food. We weren't passing bowls around between the, between the families. But what we were doing is we were having a good, great conversation. And after a while, I forgot about the screen. It felt more natural. And we said we had such a great time doing it that time. We're going to try to do it again soon. My wife often has dates with her girlfriends in California that she hasn't had for months on end before coronavirus. You know, we bought an exercise bike two years ago, hadn't used it until coronavirus and now we use it regularly so you know these are the kinds of things that we have control over right now and as a result things that we can actually do that are productive for us that feel good and that can keep us grounded in the moment you talked about how we're really not sure where this is going since none of us have gone through it even the experts don't know exactly how this is going to turn out we talk about coming out the other side? And maybe that's even a question. Should we be looking toward the other side as a destination or look at this more as a journey as part of a continuum? We, we have a tendency or, or desire to kind of plan for the future. And I think that, that it would be remiss of me to say that, you know, we're not going to do any of that. You know, I, I think that having desires and wishes and plans for the future is great. I'm trying to predict how it's going to turn out. I think that's the challenge that we have to try to avoid because that's oftentimes going to go into a very negative place, um, especially as this prolongs and we, we don't know how long, you know, like I said, you know, how long this is going to last. You know, I think that, you know, there's two main things. One is let's try to benefit from where we are. There's something called post-traumatic growth and it's a really cool concept. We don't want trauma to happen. We don't, we never want to experience trauma and this could be kind of seen in that light. But what post-traumatic growth talks about is that we can take something positive from the situation. And when we do that, we benefit in some way. So the journey is what we can take from this, right? You're interviewing me by Zoom. This is a new way of doing things. Perhaps opening it up and being able to use Zoom for interviews will allow people from further distances to be interviewed and for you to get them on the show. These are the kinds of things that I'm talking about. You know, let's look at what we 
have the ability to do right now and that we're kind of forced to do right now. Do things with your family that you wouldn't have normally gotten to do. Obviously, you're limited by you can't go to restaurants, you can't, but those might be the typical things that you do anyway. Look for new things, look for new activities that you could do at home. Um, you can still go outside and take a walk and do fun things outside, you know, obviously keeping social distance. So there's lots of different things that we can we can do right now and 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 try to, you know, make a new life for ourselves in this new circumstance. And then we might incorporate some of those things in our future once coronavirus passes us and we can resume many aspects of our normal life. But I, but I think that these new things that people are doing, whether it's businesses that are taking on new activities in relation to coronavirus, whether it's individuals who are using more technology, whatever it happens to be, I, I think we're going to be creating a new future for ourselves and maybe one that's more robust, maybe one that can weather these kinds of storms if they happen in the future. I feel so privileged that we're living in this time and age where people have, a lot of people have internet access. We have technologies that allow us to do things like this. If this was, you know, 50 years ago, we'd be in a very different place. You know, that's how I'm kind of getting through my experiences. And then the other thing is, I, I can't stress enough, you know, there's so many things that we could do for ourselves and self-help and, and, and trying to get through this. But professional help is also available. And I, and I think that's really important that people know. Um, you don't have to go in person to get the uh, mental health treatment that I provide. Medical doctors are also providing telehealth. Telehealth is very, very effective. For mental health, it's, the research shows it's as effective as in person. So if you're really struggling with sadness or intense anxiety, or you're having sleep problems or eating more or less than you normally would eat, if you've significantly changed in your social relationships, different things in your life are being impacted pretty significantly for yourself, I would not wait until things calm down since we don't even know when that's going to be. Make a phone call, go online, look up some resources and get some help. And it may feel strange initially, you know, not everybody's comfortable interacting with professionals online. But, you know, after you're doing it a couple of times, you know, I have HIPAA secure technology that I use. I have online portals and various things for patients to utilize and to get materials. So I've tried to make it easy for the process. And I know that my colleagues have done the same. And I, and I strongly recommend that you reach out for help. We're not in this alone, as you mentioned, Bernie. And I think that collaboration can, can only be enhanced if people reach out to each other and, you know, talk to friends and family, but also, you know, if they need the professional help to get it. And certainly, if anyone would like to reach out to you or to your practice, we're going to have a link in the show notes to uh, your practice so people can find that as well as other resources that are available to them. I want to thank you. We've been speaking with Dr. Craig Springer. He's a clinical psychologist, a co-owner of the Good Life Center for Mental Health on North Avenue in Cranford. Dr. Springer, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today. And thank you for having me. I appreciate it.